Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it Yes, welcome everyone. This is John Fisher for another episode of The Catch on Blog Talk Radio with a special guest to talk about what God is doing in the world, what what's happening in the marketplace. What is faith? Where does faith meet culture? Where does all this come together? Or are we just Christians who do our Christian thing over here when we're at church and with Christians, and then we do our secular thing with the rest of our life? Uh, I've never felt like that's the way it should be, but I think it is the way it is for a lot of people. We're trying to put it together, Uh, like we say, where faith meets life. That's, to me... Uh, what we talk about here at the catch and uh, because we want to be Christians with a faith that connects to the real world uh, that we live in. So each week we have someone who will help us help us do that in one way or another. And uh, today we're really happy to welcome back um, uh, our guest, uh, incredibly <clears throat> talented poet and musician um, who uh, we're privileged to have and talk about uh, a perspective on life. You know, w- when we get, when we talk to musicians and writers and poets, you get people who are looking at life a little deeper than most people. I, we're talking to artists. And I've always, I've always described an artist as someone who stays a little longer. That's my, that's my favorite definition of an artist, is someone who stays a little longer. In other words, the rest of us, while the rest of us run through life, an artist stops and stays with this moment or that moment or that thing and, ca- and, and thinks about it and feels it and and writes about it and paints it and sings it and whatever it takes to experience that moment uh, first, I think, for themselves and then for everyone else. And that, that's the beauty of art is that it allows that moment then to be shared and shared, especially in a song, over and over again. Or even in a painting. I mean, we go see paintings that were painted in the Renaissance. And we share that painter's experience uh, all through, down through the years. We're still sharing what what that artist experienced. So I, sorry, I got a little excited there. But um, 
Bob. <laughs> yeah, we have How a guest. How you doing, today, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a guest. Uh, oh, yeah, Bob Bennett. <laughs> Bob, well, man, first of all, I, 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 thank you, sir. I must have gotten the wrong email. I thought we were going to talk about our favorite Mexican restaurants, but I can do all this <laughs> other stuff if you need to. Um, no, man, I, I, I really appreciate your passion, and as always, I, uh, uh, you know, I always tip my hat because, you know, John, you had a hand in, in, in sort of writing the book for what I later did, and so I'm always uh, especially delighted to have a conversation with you about these things. Hmm. So, uh, right. So, I, you know, I love, I mean, right off the bat, I'm, I'm reacting to what you're saying about artists. Artists stay a little longer, do the observing. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think that's what's necessary. The thing that I am amazed by all these years later, and uh, if people have heard other interviews with me, you may have heard this verbiage before. Sometimes sometimes when you're doing an interview, you're using some of the same language. You're almost like quoting a song lyric, except it's prose. <laughs> but... but um, But what I love about what I get a chance to do is that, yes, I try to write songs and have certain insights into, and to do, you know, my, my work as best I can. But, you know, generally speaking, I've, I've said that my job is to, is to try to give language to things that people probably already know. Hmm. Um, a, A listener, a listener's identity with a song what they bring to the listening, the whole scope of who they are, of what they believe, what they don't believe, what their fears are, what their confidences are, what, how they might be doing that day. Um, when somebody comes to one of my concerts, is something transcendent going to happen perhaps at the, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Or am I just going to keep somebody out of serious trouble for an hour and a half? You know, all of, all of that is honorable work. And be, because I'm not in charge of the deep, soul communication that only the Lord can do, I can relax and sing the songs and tell the stories and trust that, um, you know, that something can happen, you know? Wow. And uh, so I just, I, you know, the, I mean, we can do art in our studios and our bedrooms and our offices all day long, but until we get out in front of the people, either in person or live streams or recordings or whatever, um, they provide that that wonderful magic ingredient of engagement that we thrive on that we need. Mm. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. I mean, <laughs> I think we <clears throat> we can probably close the program now. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, no, I didn't, I didn't uh, mean I to write. A, I didn't mean to write. I didn't. As my friend Billy Batstone says, you know, I think I might have just delivered my campaign speech here, so I didn't mean to. <laughs> didn't mean to do that right well, off the bat, but you. You got me started already. Your intro got me yeah. started already. <laughs> well, you did exactly. You did exactly what you're supposed to do and exactly what I said you would do because as an artist, <laughs> you're a thinker and and you think about stuff and and you and so, you know, that's why we love having people like you on the program to talk about things like this. Um that, let me ask you a a a, a general question. Um you know, I have said, I didn't say this in the beginning of Christian music because I was writing it and I didn't even know what it was uh, in those early days. But later on, as it became something, you know, and, and, and then it became a market 
and then it became an industry. Um, I, I I began to talk about two different kinds of approaches to to being a Christian musician. What? Hang on. Oh, okay, no problem. PayPal. Um, <laughs> no worries. That's that's what that's what that's what lets you know we're live here. No problem. We're live. <laughs> kinds of approaches to to Christian music that I that I I've been able to identify. There are um, there are people who write Christian music. And then there are Christians making music. And those are different, I think, because the, 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 the person who's writing Christian music is, is fulfilling a particular expectation and, um, uh-huh. about a genre. But a, a Christian who writes music is a, is a Christian who is simply going to write anything. And uh, I've always thought about you, Bob, as a a, a Christian who is making music. Um, and I'd like to hear from you whether that is intentional, uh, whether whether that is something that you came to over time, or uh, whether and whether that was a struggle at all. For you, as a a at the same time a quote Christian artist in the Christian uh-huh. music world, uh, do you want to delve into this at all? Yeah, a- absolutely. Uh, let me first say that you know my notion of what it, it, I don't even think we called it contemporary Christian music back when I first heard it. I think we called it Jesus music if we called it anything at all. Um, I may have talked to you before in private about this, but I mean, when I, I used to work, there was a, a record store out here in Southern California called Licorice Pizza. It's, it was, you know, to a, to a stoner that makes sense because the vinyl is flat and it's, hey, it's a pizza. It's a, it's a licorice <laughs> pizza like vinyl. You know, mm-hmm. when you, when you're working in a record shop, that's also a head shop. All of that makes sense. But what happened is my best friend in this life, a guy named Dan Rupel and I both worked at this record store. And when we started attending the local Calvary Chapel Church that was meeting in Downey, California, which is my hometown, we -hmm. started ordering all these albums in. So we had you, we had Honey Tree, we had Karen Lafferty, we had Mustard Seed Faith, we had Phil Keggy, Second Chapter, Barry McGuire, Randy Matthews, you know, (laughs) Paul Clark, all these guys. And And what we were immediately struck by was here is they're talking about faith in a musical language that we can understand. And that mm-hmm. was so novel to us. It was like, it's right. like this stuff is not cheesy, corny, horrible. This is like pretty doggone good music. And they're, and they're communicating stuff that we, you know, we were just emerging sort of as it were uh, to sort of call ourselves Christians and read the Bible oh. and start going to church and all that. We were kind of brand new to the whole deal. So when I started writing music, and I started writing songs almost immediately after I came to faith, um, that was my template. So my first album is probably 
a little more of a, a conventional Jesus music record than some of the records that came later because you're correct. For me, it was a little bit of an evolutionary process. What happened to me is that I, I, I said, you know, you don't need to put the four spiritual laws in every song. You don't need to have an altar call after every song. You can write little snippets and sketches and you can – and, and I, I try to tell young uh, uh, folks who are uh, in the orbit of church and want to pursue the arts, um, I think your permission is the broadest and, and the most as opposed to the least. Now, some of our brethren are not going to get that, and they're going to think, you know, why are you singing a song about the laundry, you know, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, admittedly, you don't do the laundry song at Operatory, but I, my approach is you write all the songs you write about everything it's not yeah. it's not just one yeah. thing or another you just write about whatever comes down the pike you let the chips fall where they may and um but the other thing um that i have always uh tried to do is to not underwrite the song in terms of craft in other words apply as much skill as i can to the writing of a song both in lyrics and in music but to also not overwrite the song and what i mean by that is to basically reach over and cut up the meat on the, the plate of the listener or to uh, <laughs> chew their food for them before they get to it. Oh, um, I, don't want this, I don't want the songs. I don't ever want to rob any listener. I don't care if I'm playing at the bar or if I'm playing in the high church. I don't want any listener to feel as though I think they're dumb or they don't have any insight. And I don't want any listener to feel as though they're trapped at a multi-level marketing presentation, you know, like if they, if they buy the gospel, I get, I mean, my joke for, my joke has been for years that, um, you know, I just sing songs and, and the Holy spirit will do what he will. And that if for some reason there is a conversion, I, I get a lovely set of personalized steak knives sent to my house. Not people, many people know this, but, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I really do take, I really do take that seriously. And I always have hope in the direction that my songs will lead people. T-Bone Burnett had a wonderful quote about this one time, John, that I've never forgotten. Somebody asked him in, a, in an interview for a Christian music magazine, they asked him the Christianese question of what's your ministry? And he huh. had the best response I'd, I'd ever run across then or since, I think. He said, my work is to make doubters out of unbelievers. And there is that crucial step between belief and unbelief where you look and you say, there is no God or I hate church or I've been hurt or whatever. And therefore I throw the, you know, I throw the capital B, you know, Christmas baby out with the bathwater. But, <laughs> but for a, for a doubter, for a, for an unbeliever to, to, to go through a, a, a time of doubting their unbelief before they get to belief, to me, that's the golden territory that we might we might blessedly have a hand in playing music for, and um, so I I um I've I've never forgotten that because I just thought it was such a great approach. Wow, wow, that's great, um, Bob. You have uh, huh, <clears throat> lately, I think we all because of the pandemic, we went off the road. We went off everything. Um, and, uh, as we were talking, um, 
here prior to going on the air, you had mentioned that that you're getting back out a little bit. Uh, tell us what that's like and what's changed uh, that you, that you can see. Can you? Well, how different is the world <laughs> now well, than before? I mean, I, I'd always I'd always like to think that I that I have a good attitude about going out to play. Um, tell young artists that you don't do a head count and then decide what your effort is going to be. So if you've got mm-hmm. ten people in front of you, or you're in Carnegie Hall, it's the same thing. Whatever's in front of you, that's what you do. But I think you know, as Saint Joni put it so long ago, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone. And when I lost the ability to go out and play live in front of people, or even just to look at people's facial expressions, I had to try to figure out what they were thinking from the eyes, from the, you know, from the top of the nose up to the eyes. Now to be back in a room and singing live for people, I've got such a huge waxy buildup of want to, to do this (laughs) that I'm, I'm, I'm even, I'm, I'm the happiest I have ever been in, Mm. uh, in getting out and playing for people. I just love it. And, Mm. and, um, and, and it's not just that, you know, it's not just that I, I like to, I like to get up and play and I like the people that like the music and, you know, you don't get into this thing to be totally anonymous. So I like the fact that people pay attention and all that, but, but it's just so great to be in the room again and, um, and be able to play. Wow. What about, um, you know, what, what what about the churches uh, that that you run into? Are things different now? You know, I mean, the church has gotten oh boy, it, it, there's so much water under the bridge. You know, we've had uh, so many different things happen with churches failing and and big mega churches crashing and uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, no wonder millennials are not trusting very much anymore. And, and then you've got right. the, whole, the whole political aspect. Is there, is there any hope out there at all uh, that you can see? Is there a strain of, hey, the Holy Spirit is still alive and still doing things? Well, you know, I, I would, I mean, I'm, I would like to think that that's still the case. It, I think it perhaps it's a little more hidden. It's not, I think the churches that are probably doing the things that we value and the things that we envision churches being are probably not quite getting the attention because we, we have a bigger is better. Here's the, we, you know, we, we have a, a man bites dog. You know, that was the old thing of the dog bites, man, not a big deal. Man bites dog. There's your newspaper story. And so we still live in a in a, a man bites dog sort of culture where we want the big splashy issue and the mm. the mega church thing and all that. And and actually, what's surprising to me in the glass half full department is I've gone to churches that were big mega churches, and by definition, you would think that that you know they're going to fall prey to all the temptations and the various uh, intricacies of having a large operation and all the negatives and sometimes the it's astonishing to see the work getting done. People are being faithful. The pastors are being faithful. Um, I'm still seeing some of that out of there. So my, my cranky tendency, my old guy tendency to want to sort of 
paint everything with a broad brush is getting a little challenged sometimes these days. Good. Um, but I also think now in my own case, and this is a very personal thing for me, um, a, a little over 20 years ago, maybe, yeah, about 20 years ago, I started attending a more traditional type of church. Um, it's actually a, an Anglican church, which for those inside baseball people is essentially what Episcopal would have looked like, you know, 30 years ago. It's a very traditional church, traditional prayer book, all that stuff. Yeah. But what has happened is that, and there are a lot of people who recoil against what they see as being rote and formality and all. But to me, I love it because um, it's it's a way of worshiping and a way of coming together that I I really, really resonate with. And also what's, what's amazing is that I really am one of the old dudes in the church. There's a lot of, a lot of young people and young families that they don't want the pastor who looks like he works at Trader Joe's, you know, in the pulpit, they want something a little different. And so they're actually hearkening back to things that are more traditional and things that have existed for a hundred or 200 years or more and and uh, hitching up to some of that stuff. So I think that's a very interesting phenomenon. Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. You know, I, I saw that happen after the Jesus movement, actually. A lot of people went in that direction. A lot of people going into Greek Orthodox churches, and yep. uh, even some of the leadership did, did that, like Jack Sparks and uh, Matrici- Pat Matriciana and some of these people. Um, went went in that direction. So I understand that it's it's almost like the I don't know is it a maybe a pendulum swing or it just maybe you know we we missed something there, we there, you know well, we we've missed something and and we need to recapture it somehow. When I was a, I think part of it John has to do with the fact that I, I I don't think you want to be a church hopper. You don't want to be the kind of guy who says, well, I'm just not, quote, getting what I need, unquote. So I'm going to mm-hmm. bail now. That, that's <laughs> a recipe for disaster. But also, I think you can give yourself permission to resonate with different things throughout different seasons of life. When I was a young guy, I needed to wear my jeans and sandals into church. I needed to take my cup of coffee in. I needed to have it be like, you know, a, a big department store that was made into a church with chairs. And, and that's, that was what was on the menu, and I ordered from it, and I'm happy that I did. Later on, I realized, hey, you know, there's a reason why when you walk into some of these beautiful cathedrals in England or, or you go uh-huh. to certain places where God's been doing business for a few hundred years, there's a reason why this feels so good. There's a reason why some of these practices – in the church have lasted as long as they have. I think behind all of the controversy, and there's no shortage of it, I think there is still a remnant of people who are trying to do things as right as we can. Mm. And, um, you know, church is a risky thing because you're always in proximity to people who can bless you on one hand and sucker punch you on the other hand. That's what close proximity does. There's always a risk when you get humans involved that it can go sideways. And, and when it goes sideways, quote, in Jesus' name, unquote, that's the worst of all. Um, mm. But I, I, still, I still love the church. I still believe in it. I still want to serve her. Um, I don't want to excuse bad mm. behavior. I want to figure out, you know, 
places where we maybe wrap uh, mm-hmm. wrap Jesus in the flag or we wrap Jesus in our opinions or something. I definitely want to get out of that habit. You know, I, I'd like to see what we can reinvent, but I also want to also see what we can conserve and what we can continue to carry on as the faith delivered one son of the saints, you know. Cool. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, wow. You know, we started uh, this show off, I, I did, talking about art and an artist stays a little bit longer. Um, what I'd like to, you to do is is talk just a little bit about what how that resonates into everybody's life. You know, it's easy to talk to you about this because this is your livelihood and this is what you've done most of your life. Um, but you know, that, that's not just something you leave to artists. I, I I think we all need to stay a little longer. We all need to learn to look more deeply into life. Now, artists, thinkers will help us do this, but but we also need to not let ourselves off the hook here. And um, what can we say to just the average person to say, well, I'm not an artist, blah, blah, blah. But how, how can they... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure what I'm asking, Bob, but I think you'll come up with something. Um, in terms well, of what, you I know, know this I is... Think, this, how can we dig deeper as regular people in life and living? You know, this, this is going to sound like a cheesy plaque in a bad gift shop, but <laughs> I think... I think that there is a way to live artistically, even if artistry is not your gift. Artistry as we think in it in a conventional sense. Okay. Um, you know, I know with me, um, I've, I've become, I've become fairly discouraged as to whether or not, you know, you, when you're young, it's like, I'm going to be a world changer. And as I've gotten older, I've said, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, I don't know that I'm going to be changing things on a world-class level. Um, I don't mean to discourage anybody. I'm just saying I think sometimes we overplay that hand. But, but what, I tr- what I try to do is to concentrate on the micro level. How was I to the guy in the supermarket? How was I to the server who brought me my meal? I, I, sometimes I, I really miss, and I miss badly. But there are times when I think I want to be the nicest guy they've met that day. I want to. I want to say hello. I want to show some interest. I want to engage. Mm. Um, so I think there's an artistry. I think to being personable with people that we're losing because we're mediating through screens. Mm. Um, we're not as adept. I, I, it's also kind of an age thing, I think. And I and this is going to sound very cranky, but I know with people who are behind me on the timeline, it sometimes seems as though they're just a lot more suspicious of spontaneous interaction and just engagement with people. And so, you know, I'll, ask, I'll walk in and say, how are you doing today? And I'll, I'll get that look like, what, do you want something from me? <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? But, um, but I think we persist in that. And, and, we, and we try to be those people, not because that makes a better sales pitch for the gospel, but because we just want to be Jesus to people in, in whatever situation we can manage. You know, we, we want to be Christ-like in whatever 
it's on the job, it's on our errands. Um, you know, I, I, I had somebody one time many years ago, they, they had a website and it was, I think she herself was a Christian believer, but, but she was after all different kinds of faith traditions. And they would actually send you a questionnaire of, of things that they would do to sort of inventory you and your faith practice. And hmm. one of the questions was, what is the goal of your faith practice? And I said, one of the important goals of my faith practice is for me to be a better Christian in the car. Hmm. <laughs> because there are, times, there are times when I'm in a car and you would be hard-pressed to tell that I'm actually a believing Christian. <laughs> and, um, and to me, that's my way of saying that we need to we need to bring our faith um, into every area, and not just the proclaimed faith, but a proclamation that has nothing to do with our verbiage, and has everything to do with just how we live and how we interact with people. Wow. Um, people t- talk is kind of cheap. A lot is being said to people, so I, I think you can actually wear out your welcome with the sales pitch approach. I think what you do is is you you tear a page from St. T-Bone Burnett's uh, playbook and say, you know, maybe we can make some doubters out of unbelievers. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Just the next step, move them along in the next step. Um, and and we water. We don't have to worry about the the consequences. That's beyond. We're we're team players here. So you know, the Lord knows what He's doing, and we may not be able to see the fruit of. Uh, of these things, but we are, we are as faithful as we know how to be. That's great. That's great. Um, okay, Bob, we're, we're running, running out of time, but uh, I wanted to uh, be sure and talk a little bit about this weekend because uh, we found out that, that you're going to have a rather special weekend um, on Saturday, uh, the Grove, uh, at the uh, the Grove Center uh, for Arts and and an artist is uh, having a celebration uh, down here in San Juan Capistrano, and uh, this is an artistic uh, uh, group that uh, funds and uh, encourages artists uh, in all different levels of walk and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that but um but uh we understand that on saturday bob is going to be receiving a uh a a lifetime award from this group and which is really a wonderful wonderful thing and i'd like to have you just talk about uh what that means to you and and what what's the significance of it um for you and maybe for others. Well, first, and I say this with a wink, it's great to be getting an award while I'm still above ground. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I hope I hope this doesn't mean like I'm departing or something, but but it's 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 a lovely thing. Um, basically, the Grove Center, to do a rather imperfect summary of their work, um, is they exist to uh, to encourage and empower artists. Um, They, of course, are artists who are in the orbit of church, but, you know, I think they are just about helping anyone. Um, And especially, you know, I especially have a heart for, for Christian, you know, Christians who are artistic and maybe they're not doing their stuff in the orbit of the church. Maybe they're out in the larger culture at large. 
Right. I want to be a one-man cheering squad for those people, and um, and the Grove is all about that as well. So I got a call about a month ago, and they're having what they call a cultivated artist showcase, and they're going to have a bunch of people with their works uh, displayed around at Mountain View Church in San Juan Capistrano, and they're going to have a program of live performances, and then at the end, they're going to uh, do a little retrospective, and, and I'll sing a couple songs and try to uh, not weep like a little girl. So it's, <laughs> it's a really, really wonderful honor, and I'm very grateful for it. Uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Is that right? That's right. And I, okay. I would say, and, I, and, 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 it's, and I'm, you know, I'm not going, it's not like I get the award and then it's okay. I got that done. I'm retiring now. I want to double down. I want to. I want to continue to try to be uh, the guy who, who at least in his work ethic, uh, um, you know, it, it's like it's okay for me to get this award. It, it's okay to, you know, not. I mean, you know, I'm not. I'm still the guy who forgets to take out the trash and all that. You know, you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bob, have you decided yet which songs, which two songs you're going to sing? Um, I know one for sure. I'm still uh, vacillating back and forth, but there's a song on my album, Songs from Bright Avenue, which is called Singing for My Life. And it was a song that I wrote about how much I love doing what I do and how much I am reliant upon the Lord to, you know, to energize that and, and just so grateful. To, grateful. So it's, it's a song of gratitude and a... And uh, even though I wrote that thing, you know, 30 plus years ago, I still sing it with uh, mm-hmm. a lot of investment. It's still, I'm, I'm an older guy and the photograph still resembles me, but the song still means a whole lot to me. So I'll be singing that. Okay, beautiful. And, uh, but you're not sure about the other one. No, I'm still kind of working that out. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, that was two, two songs. Uh, that they capture a lifetime. That's, mm, that's not an easy thing to do. So, uh, see, that's great. Well, I wish you well and, uh, trust it'll be a really great weekend and a great experience for you and encouragement to other, other artists. But, um, I just, I thank you so much for spending some time with us tonight and giving us some encouragement uh, in terms of our our daily walk um any any uh I'll, I'll leave you with with one last not a question but i'm i'm gonna i hate it when people do this to me they throw they throw me an open open-ended you know have the last word bob so here you go <laughs> oh boy well, you know, I I would say that one of the things that I am, am am most learning in my faith is that I'm used I live in a culture and I'm and I'm impatient and I'm used to instantaneous results and sometimes the arc of our salvation not as it's extended to us salvifically but the arc of our salvation as it's played out over our lives is a process. It's a lot of one step forward, two steps back. It's a lot of learning. It's a lot of relearning. And I would just encourage people just as, as best you can with whatever you got going right now, just stay pointed in his direction. 
and um, you know whatever whether the prayers are are are, are longer and confident or whether they're uttered in distress, or whether you can barely get a word out, just as best you're able, point your heart toward the Lord. And Because at the end of the day, we participate in our own lives in the faith, but we're relying upon him to finish what he started. And, um, and so you can take some comfort in that and know that um, if you care about this stuff, if you worry about it, even if you worry about your doubts, that's your, that's your exhibit A, that you're still in the hunt, you're still in the faith and God knows right where you are. Mm. Mm. That's encouraging. Well, Bob, thanks for staying a little longer with us tonight. And uh, uh, may you have uh, many more opportunities to uh, write and perform and, and keep this whole thing going. Thank you so much uh, for being our guest. My pleasure, and thank you, John. Please give my love to Marty. I get the Catch newsletter every day, and uh, so I'm always thinking about you, and it's great to talk to you again. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, folks. That was Bob Bennett, and that was staying a little bit longer. There's some things that will help us enrich our lives. So God bless. Don't miss us next week. Come back for more. Trying to help the fellow man. Hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.